All right, folks. Happy Easter Sunday to you and happy Jordan Spieth win day. Second consecutive year, our man Jordan Spieth breaks a little bit of a, a winless drought with a victory uh, on Easter Sunday. Sean, thanks for being here. How you doing? I am very well. I watched the a lot of the golf today. Nice. I had a lazy day. I put my feet up. I didn't have to work. All I had to do was watch. And holy cow, what a roller coaster it is to just watch Jordan Spieth play golf. Uh, we have been on the move, Sean. We've been spending a lot of time together. We uh, we bunked up in Augusta, Georgia, we, where we recorded our last podcast from, actually. It was um, a, a shared bedroom in an Airbnb in the greater Augusta area. We're now back in our respective homes. We stopped through Denver on the way home to see uh, our pal Steven and, more importantly, to uh, record some interesting projects that hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have out soon. So a lot of good stuff happening. But, Sean, I want to talk about Jordan Spieth today. I want to talk about a few other people. I want to talk about Tiger Woods, about Patrick Cantlay. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends at Radmore Golf. That's the presenting sponsor of this podcast a wonderful new Seattle-based sustainable clothing startup. Sean, you're can wearing I, can a Can I interrupt you quick? Please. I just had a friend over to watch the Bucks bulls game. Yeah. And he was checking out all the gear because I haven't unpacked yet. And it's looking at the Radmore sweatshirt I'm wearing. And yep. he said, oh, I want to support your podcast. I want to support the brands that support you. I said, go to Radmore and then he was looking all over the site and he said like well, what do you like better the sweatshirt or the pants mm. and I didn't have an answer for him because I like them both so like much both. I really I really like the pants like those are pants I'm honestly gonna I, I might not even wear them golfing because I'm gonna be wearing them everywhere else so folks you I'm wearing them right now the I mean yeah obviously you you can't see the pants that I'm wearing on this podcast I'm just wearing them for the love of the game for the love of comfort uh, if you go to radmoregolf.com, that's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com, and you use the code DROPZONE, you're going to get 25% off. And of course, Sean, the Drop Zone merch is selling like hotcakes, so there's limited stuff still available, but there is some still available. If you go to shop, special editions and accessories, you're going to find a Drop Zone collection on the website. So that's radmoregolf.com, use code DROPZONE for 25% off. Uh, and Sean, I also want to quickly tell you about rock form. We just put our rock form through its paces. We took it, <laughs> uh, we took it skiing, Sean. We took it golfing. Uh, we took it to Georgia and Denver and everywhere in between. This thing is durable. The sound quality is excellent. It connects to different people's phones. No problem. Uh, you can put it on a golf cart. You can hang it off your golf bag. Um, and the sound quality is just terrific. So, I mean, you, you just won't find a better quality speaker that's just easier to uh, easier to use in every situation. So I'd encourage the people to go to rockform.com. That's R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com. Enter the code DZ20 for 20% off. Now let's talk about Jordan Spieth. Here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Sean, the the jacket that we thought we might see Speed slipping on this April was was green. It was not tartan red. You thought um, that. Well, I didn't really think that, but you know, I, I I didn't even 
know that he was playing in the RBC Heritage, to tell you the truth, before, you know, about last Wednesday. Um, credit to Jordan Spieth, because this is really Masters Hangover Week. It might be Masters Hangover two weeks. Um, it's hard, you know, there's a reason that they that they even moved the Pro Bowl from being the week after the Super Bowl. There's, uh, there's a reason they don't play a baseball game the week after the World Series. Like, inevitably... There's going to be a little bit of a letdown after you go to Augusta National and then you have golf again the next week. But we had a pretty good field at the RBC Heritage. We had an electric Sunday. There were like a dozen names that were within a couple shots, like down to the wire. Um, And we had two of the biggest names in the field, maybe the two best golfers in the field. Well, that would be a stretch. Two of the best golfers in the field, Patrick Cantlay and Jordan Spieth coming down to the wire. Speed seemed to say it was it was you know arguably the most surprising win of his career based on it how was. he played how he finished. Um, it was a little bit strange. So I guess the first thing I'll ask you, Sean, is were you surprised by this victory? <laughs> no one on this podcast is more surprised than me. I tell you that. <laughs> I Jordan Speed is so confusing. It it makes no sense. You just look like you said you were surprised that he was even playing this week. That's because. You know, he hasn't played well at this event in seven years. He's played, he's also played three weeks in a row, including the Masters. Yeah, it makes no sense. You know, in 2020, he finished T68, so basically like last place of those who made the cut. 2019, he finished T54, you know, broke 70 one time. He hasn't played well at this event since 2015, early in his career. Completely different golfer, completely different swing at that point in his career. It makes no sense that Jordan Spieth would win this week. So, yes, I was incredibly surprised. I was giving you a bunch of crap because you were believing the Spieth train during the Masters, during Masters week when he felt like he was so optimistic. When he said he was hitting it so well. Yeah, I was ready to buy in because he was I found him convincing. (laughs) Um, yeah, and well, then and he the, let me the down. The stats backed it up before and after the Masters, just not during Masters week. It's just incredible that this guy can flip a switch and just be the best ball striker in the world. It seems his putter wasn't there at all this weekend, and he still won. Like that, that itself is confusing. I have a hard time making sense of this because, you know, I like to make the joke about uh, full fields versus, uh, you know, not full mm-hmm. field events particularly when it comes to Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods. Um, But, you know, the Masters is not a full field event. Like, it's an easy cut to make. Jordan Spieth, if you're playing good golf, you're going to make the cut at Augusta. A week later, he wins in a full field event, an event that is on the rise, an event that's probably had one of its better fields uh, than it's had in the past maybe decade. Like, he shouldn't have won this week. There's so many things that are saying you shouldn't have won, and yet he does. So can you explain it to me? I think that the most confusing... Well, yeah, first I'll tell you why I'm also surprised. I think the most confusing thing as a Spieth viewer right now is that the thing that he looks like he's working on the hardest and that looks the most uncomfortable visually is what he does right before he hits. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he has this like false start swing. He's got this exaggerated move uh, where he's trying to get... on. Un- proper plane and drop the club into the right position um and it just looks uncomfortable and i think the instinct from the outside if you if you think that spieth is struggling your instinct is going to be to say well yeah look at the crazy thing that he's doing 
Like, of course <laughs> he's struggling. You know, there's no way that a person in a good frame of mind is going to be doing that before they hit golf shots. But, Sean, that's not the issue at all. Uh, he was number one in strokes gained tee to green this week. Uh, he was 60th of people that made the cut in strokes gained putting. Granted, that number is greatly increased by essentially losing one full shot uh, on the 18th green on Saturday when he whiffed it. Well, when he just, you know, horseshoed a, a one footer. Um, but yeah, I mean, no one has putted this poorly and won a tournament on the PGA tour since I believe 2009, according to our, <laughs> our good pal, Justin Ray. That's so we epic. lost two and a half strokes, uh, on the greens to the field. This is actually just an exaggerated version of how Spieth has been playing this season. Um, he hit it you know, obviously better than he's been hitting it on average this season, but he's been hitting it really well. Um, he is top 20 on tour and strokes gained T to green, but he is 179th on the PGA tour in strokes gained putting this year. He has been a very bad putter. We think of him as a very good putter. Uh, and he has not been like he, he's, he's almost Ricky Fowler status in terms of where he's gone there. Um, uh, but he That's has not good obviously, for those who are obviously continued to, hit the ball really well. So I guess there's just something in his DNA is, is one um, really non stats based way to, it, to say it. Look but at there's how he also played in the playoff. The drives, most drives it out to the thing. right and smothers it oh, into yeah. the bunker and then nearly holes out. Like, yeah, there's left there's himself 205 yards in, in, in the playoff. Um, but yeah, I think Spieth still sort of lucked into this one and I don't want to, I don't want to say that in terms of taking anything away from him, but when he finished his round, when he made that awesome birdie on 18, it felt like, oh, that's nice. Like, that's a really good round on, you know, some some different version of Rory shooting 64 on Sunday at Augusta. I was like, oh, there, that's cool. He's going to go post the clubhouse lead. You know, we'll think about him for a second, and then the the real contenders are just going to kind of finish this thing off. Obviously, Scheffler was up by more of a Rory. Like the comparison is definitely not an exact one, but it seemed like he was not going to be the winner when he finished up. And then Shane Lowry chips it from the bunker left of the uh, left of the green on whatever that par three is, 14, 15 something. And uh, suddenly, Speed's the solo leader. Guys are crumbling left and right no one's really making a charge there's like eight guys one shot back but you know there's some jordan spieth force field up and you know he just was kind of hanging out there there's a cool video of him telling kids that were waiting for an autograph you know guys i got to go hang out maybe hit some balls like i'll be back uh goes and and hangs out for a while patrick cantlay comes in makes it pretty incredible birdie on 17 to that tucked back left pin and then gets a good look on 18 just misses that everyone else misses their birdie tries coming home there end up being seven guys that miss the playoff by one shot and uh and then spieth hits kind of a lame tee shot in the playoff okay. it's just okay. him we don't have to Cantley. recap it for everybody they saw this i think we do i'm not they sure they the did <laughs> He, he had left himself 205 yards in. At no point did it look like Jordan Spieth was going to necessarily like win this tournament until he actually won the tournament, until yeah. Cantlay's ball plugged in the front bunker. And yet he he does that more than anybody else. I think that's the point of the inexplicable nature of, of Spieth that mm -hmm. we, we just have to give credit to. 
you know how Brooks Kepka yeah. winning majors was inexplicable and how Rory's major drought is somewhat inexplicable because Rory continues to put himself in the top 10. You know, Spieth doesn't always do that. When Spieth does it, he actually does win. You know, it's stuff like Burkdale and how he nearly gives it away, but then goes and takes it from Matt Kuchar. Tiger Woods used to do that too. Like maybe there's just a winning aspect to it and mentality that takes over that you cannot explain. You can't look through the numbers and say, oh no, there, there's that's the reason why he won. No, he's just a phenomenal ball striker who was so good at it and so good from the bunkers that he somehow did get his way into victory, but he's a shot maker. You know who's not a shot maker right now? Rory isn't a shot maker. Like he showed it at the Masters for the first time, I think, in a very long time. And it felt different. But like I think the fact that we're doing this again with Speeth is because we're not surprised when he makes shots. We're not surprised when he hoops 30 footers. We're not surprised yeah. when he hits it from the pine straw to 12 feet. Like this is almost the perfect golf course for him. Because like a lot of people, he's not perfect off the tee, but he's pretty damn amazing at scrambling. Like it might be the perfect track for him if it's not, you know, if if the conditions aren't perfect. Like there's a reason why Shane Lowry was playing pretty well for a while until he puked on himself. It it all set up for Spieth. And uh, I don't know if you and I are going to solve the riddle, but yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing I really liked seeing from Spieth. Uh, if you look at his numbers this week, there's one that jumps out, and it's the fact that he was pushing it off the tee. So mm. in, if you look at, you know, longest tee shots, whatever, no, he's not going to jump off the page. He's just he's a little bit above average for sure in terms of length. But if you look at every drive hit this week, Spieth was sev- second overall in driving distance, which means he's pulling driver, he's getting aggressive, you know, a bunch of the other guys in the leaderboard are not big hitters. This is like one of the courses that neutralizes distance more than any other. Um, but he was he was basically pushing the pace, playing aggressively, um, which tells me that he was there with a, a mindset of basically going for it, not being intimidated by this golf course, which looks intimidating as hell. I mean, if you want to talk about a golf course that is going to beat up your average TV viewer at home, where these guys can, you know, tear it apart. Um, this one's right up there. So I, I like seeing that. I love when players who are like generational players just steal tournaments. You know, they just hang mm-hmm. around and, you know, Tiger's done this. Phil's done this. Spieth has obviously done this. Uh, I don't know if Justin Thomas, ha- he may, he probably has, um, but he like go out and win a JT's tournament more put on the burners more than yeah. you know when he has won but like you know i think you could argue that brooks at times has done this in some oh, of his yeah, biggest he wins speed has definitely done it he's been yeah. he's hooped long putts on 18 he's holed out <clears throat> bunker shots i mean yeah absolutely but this one felt that. like more of a backdoor win which we just don't <laughs> see that often well i think that's the nature of stealing stealing it is a backdoor <laughs> victory but i love when when generational players do that because it is such a flex it is such a you know from the era of tiger woods winning with his b or c game and let's be clear like speed did not have his c game this week he had like a d or a c putter he was good everywhere else, but yeah. it's the first the first thing that is like 
that came up in his post uh, round interview. It's the first thing he brought right to mind. You can tell he'd been thinking about it, why he can't make a single putt, while the most important putt that he made was the seven inch putt in the playoff. Like, <laughs> I love when players do this because it is such a flex. It is like, hey, Shane Lowry, I know you're playing your best golf of your life. You're probably playing as good a golf as you have in a really long time, you know, Port Rush included. And I'm still better than that. Like me without a putter is yeah. still better than that. Hey, Harold Varner, I know you're still trying to win for the first time in the PGA Tour. I've done this 12 times before, and I'm doing it without a putter this week for number 13. I love flexes like this. That's what it feels like to me. I know Jordan doesn't treat it that way, but it, the rest of the people on the PGA Tour have to, at some level, be aware of what Spieth did today. Like That is telling everyone yeah. else in the field, hey, I played great this week. I also played great before the Masters. So, like, I'm here for the summer. He has he has shown in the last couple of years that once he kind of sniffs contention, he's usually there at the end. Um, you know, I mean, he has not done much the last six tournaments he played. He doesn't have a top 25. Um, but, you know, before that, he finished second at Pebble Beach. Uh, last year, he obviously had a win. He had a, he had four other podiums. Um oh. <laughs> but he doesn't he, he he has not really been in that in-between mix where he's you know sort of there hanging around but not contending it seems like regardless of where his game is there's something in him that that likes seeing the other horses around him and and when he kind of sees you in the to the side of him then he really turns on the jet so it's just cool to watch um sean are we concerned about patrick cantley well, you probably aren't concerned about him because he got another podium. You probably loved it. I definitely encouraging for you know the silver medalist. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't confuse it with a first place finish though. Yeah, well, he definitely isn't winning <laughs> tournaments right now. He is. He's probably equally dangerous as Jordan Spieth. Maybe more dangerous than Jordan Spieth, but. The guy who won player of the year, wins the FedEx Cup, wins events. I think he won three times last year, big events. He doesn't have, he doesn't have, I guess, the putts that need to go in this year for some reason. It's very bizarre, mm -hmm. you know. We talked about how Patrick Cantley lost to Scotty Scheffler in I think it was a four-hole playoff in Phoenix you know, Super Bowl Sunday and changed Scotty Sheffer's life forever. Like, yeah, Cantley was on the losing side of that. And we're like, oh, wow, you know, Cantley's showing he's the best player in the world by getting into the playoff in Phoenix. Well, he hasn't shown that he's like the, the most clutch player in the world once he's in these playoffs. He loses again to Spieth today. A bunch of second place finishes this year. I can't rip on the guy for finishing second place and beating 100 and whatever, 30 or 40 other guys. Sure. But at some level, he had <laughs> everything going for him today. He is yeah. 20 yards ahead of Speed, 25 yards ahead of Speed in the fairway. And Speed has hit first, smothered his shot into the bunker. Yep. There is, there is, you know, earth and a half behind the, the hole. Just get the ball on the green above the hole. Yep. And you're going to, at the worst, make par and extend this playoff. You hit a great yeah, shot. you're going to force speed to get up and down, more importantly. Yeah, exactly, from what was a tricky lie. And he didn't do that. And look, we can we can Monday morning, Sunday night quarterback it. Um, mm -hmm. His 
his nine that's iron what we're here that, for sean <laughs> his nine iron that he hit into that green what is it it comes up one yard two yards short of being safe ish yeah. um I, i'm not gonna really harp on a guy for in a windy day losing out on one yard man but at some it's point just, it's it all is an unacceptable miss though <laughs> that's an unacceptable miss like yeah it's obviously easy to say that from my chair and you know I, I certainly wouldn't have hit a better nine iron there but if you're patrick cantlay one of the best people at hitting a golf ball in the world you have to hit that ball past the pin and he got unlucky with it plugging um you know definitely and he could have made the same swing and it could have gone a yard further and not been in there but i mean yeah you got to just hit that thing 20 feet past the pin you have to it's such a weird thing that on the PGA tour, when a guy finishes second, like for the fourth time Mm -hmm. that year, what are you supposed to do with him? You ask him to win one of these damn things. That's what you do. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to nitpick Patrick Cantlay as a tournament contender over the last year, uh, I think you could get into some interesting scenarios where, uh, you know, he won the Memorial after Rom got, uh, had to withdraw with COVID so that was one of his victories. He won the BMW in a showdown with Bryson that definitely required some some help from Bryson missing a few putts down the stretch, right? Um, he won the, the Tour Championship, but if you only look at 72-hole scores, he was he T4. So if you want to be that guy with Patrick Cantlay, then you can. I, I guess you can be. Um mm-hmm. He had a brief session with media afterwards. He basically said that he hit a similar shot to the one he hit uh, on the 72nd hole in the playoff and, you know, basically just said the wind got it in a different way than he anticipated. That was that. This is not a podcast that supports wind takes. Can we make that clear? I mean, yes. On the one hand, like, I don't know what else he's supposed to say, like, but maybe he should say, yeah, I should have hit eight iron. I don't know. Sep Straka did the same thing in regulation, actually. Sep makes bogey. Makes birdie on 17 to tie for the lead. Makes bogey on 18 to fall one shot outside the playoff. It's a big-time what-if week for a lot of guys, Sean. Harold Varner finished one shot outside the playoff after uh, one of the weirder penalties that I've seen. Uh, I think it was on Friday when some dude in his yard was you know, throwing Harold's ball around and saying it was out of bounds, but where he picked it up was inbound i mean very confusing situation shane lowry was in control in the driver's seat for he hit a really poor tee shot on the par three and then chipped in the water so i mean obviously every week there's guys that are going to walk away thinking they should have won but this week felt that way you know and then some any karma for harold varner opening his mouth on saturday talking about speed swing I don't think he meant it in any sort of malicious way, but you would have to think that Spieth would take a little bit of satisfaction in seeing HV3 saying, yeah, you know, the fellas on the group text are talking about Spieth's swing. We're not not too impressed with what we're seeing. Yeah, keep my and swing then, uh, out your mouth. Yeah. HV3's playing some good golf, though. He's playing well. I mean, we definitely saw like some of the guys that have been playing well that have been showing, Shane Lowry, um, you know, they had some nice weeks. It it felt like a, it didn't feel like an off week tournament in terms of the guys that were on the leaderboard. There were a few guys that, you know, when you look at that uh, list of guys that finished one shot outside the 
playoff where I'm like, you know, JT Poston. Hmm. I, I was not aware that he was a contender in this tournament until very late. Uh, Cam Davis posted a number early with a 63 on Sunday. Um, you know, Matt Kuchar was never really quite there until uh, until he was the birdie at 18. So, yeah, there were a few guys in there. Nice to see Tommy Fleetwood crack the top 10. Tommy's playing good golf. Yeah. Um, That's all I got to say. That's good, Sean. All right. I mean, you want to you want to do a little vibe check on a couple other guys? First, I'll do a vibe check about global golf, Dylan. Global golf has one letter on its mind right now, and that letter is you. You. Global golf's various services are you try, you trade in, and you select. And they are all about getting people into the right golf clubs for them and in this case for you. You try is about trying brand new gear for two weeks. If you love it during those two weeks, you keep it. If you don't love it, you give it back. You trade in allows you to trade in your previously owned gear. If you want to trade in that weak putter of yours for something nicer, you get mm. credit towards the newest and best gear. We love that. And finally, you select is all about personalized recommendations from golf professionals to help you select the best gear for your game. That's like fitting questions. Do I need a blade putter or a mallet putter? Simple stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it is you try, you trade in, you select. It is all about you, the golfer at Global Golf. Check it out at globalgolf.com. Vibe check, Sean. Oh, well, let me just buzz you through a couple of my own and then just get your reactions. Uh, vibe check on our boy, Martin Trainer. Not great. We were hoping for... We we're hoping for some heat, but 74, 77 this yep. week, you know, if the, we're going to talk about a guy when he's riding high, mm -hmm. we got to talk about him when the train's chugging a little slower. So yeah. well, he's not off not the tracks, not off the tracks yet, but like he's been stopped at a way station. I don't know if they have those for trains, but we're like, <laughs> we're checking uh, what's going on mm -hmm. on in these, you know, these final few train cars near the caboose. This is not a, this was never going to be the course that martin was probably gonna you know <laughs> contend on not the most accurate golfer off the tee traditionally no um vibe check on ricky fowler sean when when we saw ricky at the cj cup in that final pairing finishing t3 in the fall really hoped that was the start of something that was the start of the comeback and he missed the cut this week. He just, you know, obviously wasn't in the Masters, wasn't in the players. His best finish since then is T40. And it's a little bit concerning to me. A little bit? Well, I, it's a lot of bit concerning. I mean, obviously the guy is going to play a bunch more PGA Tour events this season. And so a lot of, you know, he could still have a good year. There's nothing preventing him from doing that. But there so far are no signs that his short game is in the place it needs to be to really contend. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who in years past has had a pretty rock hard, steady game, right? Great ball striker and something is amiss there. And when his ball striking started to fade, his putting was still phenomenal. At this point, nothing is good about his game. Strokes, strokes gained negative off the tee and strokes gained very negative putting. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm one to believe that putting can be flipped. We've seen Jordan Spieth really struggle with his putting and then get mega and fuego with his putting. Um, his approach game and his around the green game is fine above an average tour level, but it's, it's the off the tee stuff that it's like 
you're never comfortable. He's never comfortable out there. Yeah. That's how you don't make cuts. It's like when the first round goes well, but then you're still kind of uncomfortable during the second round. I think the putting can flip. It flipped for Jason Day at various points in his career. It can flip for Ricky still. But if he's not giving himself a chance, then the putting doesn't even matter. I'm curious, Sean, how this how the Netflix Ricky stuff is gonna go. Cause then you know, I know he was sort of involved in the beginning. Um, he's definitely one of the guys that they'll, you know, we would think would want to highlight. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm just curious how they're going to tackle. Wasn't if Ricky's going to wasn't his let them inter- inside the process? Wasn't his like uh, entertainment group, his production company, like involved in the early stages of this idea? Yeah. So, yeah, he was one of the guys that was definitely seemed to be enthusiastic and on board and and really got the vision from the start. Um, so. Uh, hopefully he helps take people through that process because I think it's really interesting and hopefully there's a, a, a positive ending to that story too. Um, Sean Morgan Hoffman, another guy that missed the cut this week, but God, he was close to making the cut first, uh, first start back in years since, you know, moving to Costa Rica, undergoing uh, various natural holistic treatments, uh, was a deep dive by our our pal Daniel Rappaport uh, detailing all of this, but pretty impressive to see him come back off the bench and you know come within a shot on his 36th hole of making the cut. Totally. I mean, he, this is a guy who actually played the par fives pretty horribly this week. Uh, on on uh, Friday, he played them I mean, in what one under even par. All right, so he's one under on Friday, and then. On Thursday, he was even par on the par fives. So, mm-hmm. the, like, that's the that's the easiest route to success on the PGA Tour is just murder the par fives. Um, if he's a f- couple shots short of making the cut, just take care of the par fives and you're there. Um, just looking at kind of how he played, not a ton of birdies. I feel like that's like a rust thing. Like, you have to get back yeah. used to the PGA Tour. I mean, Phil Mickelson's talked about that. When he would go to play on the Champions Tour where the pins are in easy, gettable positions and you have, uh, you know, a bunch of easy 10-foot putts that are pretty flat, yeah, you can make a ton of birdies. But when you go to the PGA Tour, different type of courses, different type of course setup, getting close is really hard. <laughs> These guys make it look so much easier than it actually is. Yeah. And uh, I would imagine that's the first thing that probably shakes Morgan Hoffman up. Like, okay, I'm back in the big show. Getting close for good birdie chances is just really, really hard. Sean, is there anything to read into the fact that Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith coming off, you know, contention at the Masters missed the cut this week? Nope. Or just men. Nope. Forget about it. Nope. Move Move on. These are two of the best golfers in the world. Cam Smith literally playing as like the second best golfer in the world this year. I imagine he didn't really care about playing or practicing for this tournament on Monday and Tuesday of this week. He probably was a bit let down on his own, uh, but what happened at the Masters? So no, I don't care. DJ, it's not like DJ's played this course all that well through the years. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously the sponsor connection, but you know, other than that, it doesn't necessarily make sense as you know a place that would be on his calendar. Uh, other than that, uh, and then Sean vibe check Tiger Woods, <laughs> our guy Tiger has committed to not a major championship, 
not the Memorial, not not the FedEx Cup playoffs, but the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. This is an Irish billionaire. In Limerick. Host. I mean, this is just, it's one of the most epic ideas for a golf tournament because it happens every five years, but then, you know, it also then doesn't happen because uh, they were rebuilding the golf course at Adair Manor. Then COVID happened. So I, I'm pretty sure the last one of these was in 2010. That's sweet. You know if that's right? I don't know if that's right. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. This is a this is a rare event, but it's something that essentially is the some of these top guys, it's just always going to be on their schedule. Tiger is one of them. Um the last time he was there, I think he got some tough questions because you know, this was shortly after the uh scandal. It was maybe his first time abroad since then. Is this seem like a good sign for Tiger? Yes, for sure. You can't look at it as anything but positive because Tiger, at this point, he's been showing up like once a month to tell us what's new about him. And sometimes not even once a month. Like we didn't hear from him in March. We heard from him in February at his event, but we didn't hear from him in January. We heard from him in in December, but you know, we didn't have a clue until like early December that he was going to play in the PNC. So yeah, this is Tiger looking down the road. This is Tiger saying, I'm playing in the open at St. Andrews. He's already told us that. And not only that, like I'm going to be over there for a week prior. I'm going to be getting my body acclimated to the Lynx land, to, to, you know, the UK and Ireland. And it's a great sign because like, at this point, I think we only think of him as a major championship golfer, which is fine. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's... And even that, question mark. Yes. I mean, I think the PGA and the US Open are still probably both up in the yeah. air. Yeah, and so if Tiger can be ceremonial in some of his golf, like, that's great, too, to, to just show up to a pro-am. And, you know, there's, there's going to be a bunch of money bid on whoever gets to play with Tiger Woods that week. Like Mm -hmm. the fact that Tiger's saying yes to that, even if he's kind of doing it for a friend, is still a big deal. Like, you know, that he doesn't see that as something that's going to dip into his reservoir of energy that he needs to gear up to win at St. Andrews. So it it has to be a positive. Um, It's still, I mean, there's a little weirdness to it. Like it'll happen. (laughs) It'll happen during the week of the Scottish Open, which is a brand new, uh, well, not brand new, but it is a newly branded, uh, the Genesis Scottish Open. PGA Tour co-event. Co-event. Yeah, awesome. We're it's on the PGA that. Tour schedule. We are, of course, uh, uh, psyched about it. It's at Renaissance Club near Edinburgh. Um, but that's a long way from Limerick. Uh, it's a full flight away from Limerick. And it's a Monday, Tuesday event, which means he's, well, he's definitely not playing the Scottish and anyone that's playing in that, like, it's just going to draw attention away from the PGA Tours new European uh, jewel uh, on the calendar. So that will be a weird week. Um, People will care about that far more than they care about Scottish golf that week. Yeah. I think it just precedes the Scottish Open. So I think they work hand in hand. What do you, Um, yeah, like Monday, Tuesday of that week though. (laughs) Like it's still that week. And then some of the other guys can go play the Scottish Open and whatever. Tiger, I'm curious if Tiger's going to jet back to Florida and then go back. No, there's going to no hang out and enjoy some fish and chips. Do you think Tiger is going to play golf in this in Central Ireland through Tuesday and then take two seven hour flights in the next four days? He, that's what he did in 2010. Yeah, 
as you know, I things are differently. <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't like flying as much now as he did then, but hopefully he can find a comfortable bed. <laughs> Maybe they'll take his yacht over, Sean. He likes staying there. Uh, my final vibe check. <laughs> can you US imagine President's privacy just crashing through the waves in the Atlantic? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how good it is for transatlantic travel. Um, final vibe check, Sean. The U.S. President's Cup team. Just some fun names on there right now. Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, Patrick Cantlay, Morikawa, JT Spieth. So the top six are are about as you would expect. But the next six is where it gets interesting. Taylor Gooch, Tom Hoagie, Jason Kokrak, Max Homa, Kevin Kisner, Will Zalatoris. So if things stayed that way, we'd be missing names like Xander, DJ, uh, Patrick Reed, Bryson, Brooks, Tony Finau, etc., etc. Is this team going to end up looking quite a bit different than, say, last year's Ryder Cup team? Or is this just too early to, to really think too hard yeah, about Yeah, Dylan, how stuff? many weeks from now, how many months from now is the President's Cup? Uh, I'm not great with the math, but I think, you know, four, four plus. Yeah, we've got the Memorial, we've got the Wells Fargo. We have three majors. We have President's uh, FedEx Cup events. I'm just trying to make you know how far away that is. So if you're sitting on a Tom Hoagie president, Tom Cup Hoagie's team not playing on that team. I frankly would love to see Tom Hoagie on that team because he's kind of a lethal ball striker, and he kind of he kind of told Spieth what was up and Daniel Berger what was up at Pebble Beach this year. He's kind of a, he's a pretty bad putter, <laughs> if we're being honest. But you you set I that guy like up see. on the par threes and alternate shot, hit some darts for you. There's a movement in North Dakota, I, I believe, to to join Canada. And so there could be sort of a situation there where I would like to see if he doesn't get chosen as a, a captain's pick, maybe he kind of flips allegiances. You think he would make that Canada. team? I think he'd be slightly more likely. American side, a little bit stronger, a little bit deeper. Um, all right, Sean, do you have anything else you want to tell the people? Before we leave, mm, shout out to Mel Reed. She got married this weekend. Friend of the program. That's awesome. Congratulations to Mel. Sean, shout out to uh, to our pal Steven in Denver who hosted us this past week for some shenanigans. How could I forget? And uh, and shout out to our our good man Connor Federico, who's been uh, on the ones and twos consistently, and uh, you'll hear more from soon, I'm sure. And with that, I would remind you to go to RadmoreGolf.com. Enter code DROPZONE for 25% off. Check out the pants. The sweetest apparel you can find. And Sean, after the Zurich Classic, we'll see you next week. <laughs>